galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Horus Heresy. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adherent of the Mechanicum, or a brave mortal in a galaxy of madness, you'll find a home here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. It could be worse. You could have gotten your fleet destroyed and cost your side the mega battle. I did. I already did that. So your words are powerless. <laughs> I've come to I've come to grips with my with my intimate relationship with with failure. What it what it yeah uh, just like that Best that single baller move and uh, then your the inability and then torpedo me to death. Yeah, that like that baller move, getting that uh, bulkhead collapse on that two torpedo salvo. And I then, don't know what uh, it is. Your inability to make that cruiser squadron behind you brace. Because they put like six points of damage on that battleship. I uh, I don't know what it is, but I cannot shoot down torpedoes for the life of me. I can do <laughs> attack craft just fine. Bombers, incoming boarding craft, neat. Got it well in hand. I, I feel like I roll the statistical average for that. But when it comes to torpedoes, it's like, cool, here's six torpedoes. All right, well, statistically, like, maybe one or two of them are going to hurt me, but I'm going to shoot some down anyway. Here's four dice. Nothing. Okay, cool. Well, it's only, like, six torpedoes. You know, maybe I'll take one hit. Maybe. One or two? That's the math. And then here comes, like, a five, just five torpedoes blowing my thrusters to smithereens. I'm like, well, yeah. well shit. What happened was two torpedoes got, like, hit another ship. Two torpedoes got through. He had two dice, needing four up to kill them. Whiffed. Five up to do damage. I get a hit. Proceed to roll a six to get a critical hit. And then boxcars for an extra d6 damage. Ooh. Oh, wow. It was painful. Yeah, like, wow. Was there skill involved? I mean, no. Some. <laughs> it was a little bit. <laughs> there was the least possible amount of skill for the Look, most possible damage. That. I have to tell myself that there was some skill in that, and not just that luck. I I had planned I had planned the maneuver from the start. If that makes you feel better, it does a little bit. Because like I mean, torpedoes are even in the best of times. Torpedoes, unless they're coming, unless they're being launched in a spread of twelve, or they're just being launched from a battleship at a spread of nine. Yeah, are, they're kind of a, a luck game. Yeah, six torpedoes. They don't get rerolls. They get shot down by by turrets. It's like, blast yeah. markers in contact. There's yeah, a whole slew markers. of things. Like There's if you a lot of things that can mess with torpedoes. You hit once. Like you do, you're going to do one point of damage like 48% of the time. Yeah, it was truly the, the dice gods smiling on you to A, get three separate vessels through a warp rift and not lose a single one. And uh. then B, just ruin the fleet that you came behind. Oh, and it made me so happy. <laughs> I'm also, again, heavily considering retiring the Hangman and bringing her back as a different ship, because the Hangman is just mm. plagued I'm telling you, it is trouble. bad luck to rename a ship. She can't get any more unlucky. <laughs> There's only one way to go. Oh. I only rolled three for the D6 extra damage. Just saying. <laughs> Just every every game we play that the sticks is in there, she's just like, all right, I'm gonna pump out some some dudes. All right, I'm gonna maybe throw some lances downrange. And oh my god, there's a dauntless in my face. Please help. My bridge is smashed. Ah, uh, that was the other thing I was I was pretty happy about. 
<laughs> those Dauntless. Like, if you had had one cruiser over there, I would have gone for it. But you put two, and I was like, nope, we're running. Fuck it. I'll trade these was, two out of the battle for two cruisers out of the battle for a while. I have, at this point, I think I am more afraid of Dauntlesses than I need to be. Yes. Because right. on paper, you're like, uh, eh, Dauntless. Eh, two Dauntlesses. On the table, they get in your face, and they're like, why can those two ships put out that much firepower? <laughs> spend my spend three turns chasing two Dauntlesses down. It was glorious. Good stuff. Mm. Well, mm. if everybody is here, everybody ready to start the podcast? It's boogie. Uh, yeah, as I long as we do ready. a break before the militia chat. So I yeah, need to absolutely. Grab my book to have the providences in front of me, so I'm not just naming sure. random shit. Yeah, no problem. We can do that. All right. All right, everybody on board. Unless Dave's uh, muted. Dave, you good? Good. All right, cool. Hello and welcome to the Remembrancers Retreat. I'm Jesse. I'm joined by Austin, Dave, Jared, and Steven. How's everybody doing tonight? It's hot. It is hot. It's a hot, humid, humid Virginia summer. The vapors, my goodness. Slowly. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's time for Austin to sit on his porch with a mint julep and declare things. On your <laughs> rocking chair. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay. So start us off with what everybody's been up to. Which is uh we had an event earlier this weekend. Yesterday actually, which was a lot of fun. We'll get to that here later in this uh, podcast, but let's start with Austin. What have you been doing up to with Hobby Wise this week? Uh, well, my fiance is uh, deciding to take the plunge into Battlefleet Heresy. Yeah. So the Very reserve cool. fleet that was going to be possibly parceled out to the group is now instead being painted by me in Death Guard colors uh, because when I told Allie, uh, hey, you know, I got some spare brushes, I can teach you how to paint. Her exact quote was, what's the point of marrying you if you don't paint my models? <laughs> I, I can't fault that logic, Austin. <laughs> she's yeah, she's got don't, a point. Don't let Caro hear that. Well, it's funny you should mention that because I'm recording right now in our dining room because I got kicked out of my hobby room because she's right now airbrushing her Emperor's Children and World Eaters. Emperor's Emperor's children does look and the world eaters? Yeah, she's doing Shattered Legion because she loves the look of the Emperor's children and loves the lore of the world eaters. So mm, the heresy time. flows yeah. strong. <laughs> we'll say it is traitors. It, it is so amazing. Many new traitors. <laughs> it is amazing to have lore discussions with your partner. Like <laughs> she's like, Why, what was so, Angron thinking doing this? And like, I don't know, but it's cool the fact that you <laughs> care. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta ask you, Austin. Uh, how does it feel, being staunchly loyalist as you are, to have your fiance choose the the winning side? I mean, the winning, like in your heart. Obviously, they lost the war, but that's neither here nor there. Well, um, so Allie, like, she knows the rudiments of thirty k and forty k as much as any spouse of a nerd does, mm-hmm. uh, but she doesn't have like. She's a Gretchen player from like sixth edition, forty k. Oh, cool! Uh, orcs, not orcs, just literal Gretchen swarms. Not goblins, just Gretchen. When- Wait, was that like an actual <laughs> list? Could you actually just play Gretchen? Uh, yes, 
Back in the day, you could. I, I don't know what edition, but yes. Uh, and ever since that's gone away, she, like, she's more of a, an RPG girl anyway. Um, but she didn't really have a strong feeling about a Legion. So, because I kind of wanted a trader fleet for, like, demo games and to have spare for events, I told her to go trader. Uh, and after a little discussion, I, I, I may have even nudged her a little bit towards the Death Guard. Because uh, while in 30k I am a staunch loyalist, uh, Magnus deserved it as well. Um, Obligatory. I do, I do love Grandfather Nurgle, because he's the only Chaos God that loves you, right? Korn doesn't Probably. care for once the blood flows. Zinch is tricky and going to stab you in the end. Slanesh only wants you for the holes you have. But Papa Nurgle, Papa Nurgle loves you. Can't argue so, with that. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun painting them. It's good. And they're a damn good fleet, man. I mean, the mark of Nurgle in BFG is... Oh, no. We, no, no, we no, mixed they, that. They oh, don't no. Have mark not, of Nurgle. We're not having a repeat of the Plague Fleet. No, yeah, sir. They don't have Mark of Nurgle because until, like, right before the Siege of Terra, they didn't have a Plague Fleet. Yeah, um, and also Mark of Nurgle on an entire so, fleet is stupid. So I've, I've, I've heard people talk about this before. Like, so the marks of chaos like you can you can justify them by saying well the death guard had you know just they were just stronger Tough. yeah they were tougher they were built better they were built to take the damage and so you know that mark of nurgle nurgle what is it 40 points steve to upgrade uh, it is uh, it's it's 30, 30 points for the word bearers because they don't get discounts on their marks, but every other quote unquote marked legion gets their uh, gets their um, relevant mark at a discount. So corn is normally 10 points. World leaders get it for five. So the death guard would ostensibly get it for 25. But the reason that we didn't give death guard access to the mark of Nurgle is I want you to envision something. Mark of Nurgle means that your ships cannot be boarded. But that doesn't stop them from boarding you. So a ship just like rolls up on you all nice and slow-like, wiggles its eyebrows, and boards you, and you can't do anything for the rest of the game because you can't board it back. It just sits there and hurts you. Well, you could teleport, hit and run it. Yeah, but that's not... Once like, you're locked actions, into a boarding, boarding action, actions, you can't can do anything else. Yeah, and if you're boarding, yeah. you can't do teleports. Yeah. Uh, also, the extra hole point doesn't sound like a lot, but uh, it, it whole is. Point seven it really cruisers, is. Whole point nine cruisers, whole point eleven grand cruisers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're right. You're right. It starts yeah. getting nasty. Uh, so instead, they they have they can brace for impact without taking a leadership check. They just auto pass. Well, that's good. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that's it's solid. Ali, uh, we've played one game thus far. Uh, and once she figured that out, uh, there were a couple of times when, you know, oh, she's got bridge smash on that cruiser. It's in blast markers. This is going to need like a leadership three to brace. And she's like, I'm bracing. Like, well, babe, you got to roll it. She's like, no, I don't. Wait, because <laughs> so, I'm death guard. But you're still on orders, right? Yes, you count as being braced. For all, so, yeah, you know, you just don't have to take firepower and all that. Okay. But, the, but it's automatic. So you never have to worry about failing that order. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Just like the, the Blood Angels with automatically locking on. It's just like, oh man, 
Uh, that's a lot of firepower that's about to be coming my way reloaded. Too bad he didn't have to roll for it. Why not? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just spinning off top. Well, no, no. Staying on topic, but on a segue. Mm-hmm. For Battlefleet Heresy, can you have mixed legions? Are there rules for that? There are not, as of yet, rules for kind of like an allies matrix sort of thing. There's mm-hmm. no way to take a quote-unquote allied fleet. Um, gotcha. What there is provisions for is in a campaign, there are appeals. Uh, normally, it's reinforcements, um, refits, or other. And other is just kind of like, here's this collection of things that will definitely benefit you in some way. Uh, the heresy appeals table makes provisions for getting uh, ships from friendly forces that are nearby in the system. And if the ships are painted as a different legion, then you may choose to use that legion's rules for that ship. Gotcha. Okay. In my head, we're talking about the heresy and Battlefleet heresy and whatnot. I just, in my head, see a ruined storm fleet of Blood Angels, Ultramarines, and Dark Angels. Just we, we were toying around with Shattered Legions as mm-hmm. an idea. Um, but ultimately we scrapped it because, as Austin pointed out, in most cases the Shattered Legions don't have more than a few escorts to their name. Fair enough. Cool stuff. All right. Dave, what have you been up to this week? So, no games, um, so to speak, but I've been doing a lot of really eclectic reading or uh, a listening. And uh, so I read... Graham McNeil's The Last Church. Mm, yeah. yeah. Good. So you guys got there. Oh my God. It's it's amazing. I mean it's um <laughs> really could be taught as like a you know philosophy uh you know one oh one course in any graduate level program. It's it's uh I mean it's it's the Emperor talking to the last priest on earth, right? On mm-hmm. Terra. And if you, you know, if, if, if you haven't listened to it or if you haven't read it, um, it's, this is something I talked to Jason about too. It's like, I'm going to have to go back and look at the published date on the last church because I may have gotten it wrong on emperor of mankind. The last church may be the first time we hear the emperor in his own words speaking. Uh I, I believe it is. The Last Church came out, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the very first like short story collection uh, they did for the Heresy. Tales of okay, Heresy, I think, is what that collection was called. Yeah. Real old. I remember reading Last Church when I was uh, when I just graduated. Or not graduated. Haha, <laughs> I didn't graduate college. Um, when I was back in Texas after college. Okay. I will say there's a little blurb in A Thousand Sons of the Emperor talking at Nikea, but it's just like a sentence or two. Mm-hmm. Depending but on how, how deep you're not, going with the Emperor talking in his own words. Are you talking about like in his own Yeah, in his own like opinions first, and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the last church is, I think, really powerful in terms of the lore because it puts the Emperor in his own words at a certain place in time. And if you look at the last church and you kind of compare that to emperor of mankind, um, it's very similar, man. And I think yeah. it builds off it and it's really cool. Um, I also my favorite list- quotes is the difference is I know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, Oh man, you're an asshole. 
<laughs> You're not wrong. You're just an asshole. So there are a couple qu- quotes that come out of the last church that are just like, oh my god, man. And so as the emperor is, is kind of talking and justifying his his you know perspective and his position without without actually revealing who he is, which is really cool. I don't want to give it away if you haven't listened to it because I didn't know about it before I kind of stumbled on it. He says, um, you know, I did what I did because we, you know, humankind was looking at species extinction within a generation, right? So within a generation, oh, this is on Terra. So within a generation, humanity was going to basically, you know, render itself extinct, right? It just, it was. So, so the reason the emperor, in, in his opinion, right? So the reason he, he started the unification wars, the reason he created the Thunder Warriors, the reason he, he unified Terra wasn't some like um, narcissistic uh, ambition to fulfill his, you know, tyrannical go- goals. He, he was basically like, you guys are going to f- fucking exterminate each other within a generation. Mm, um, propaganda. <laughs> I don't know. Definitely worth a listen. Um, a very cool short story. I think it's only like uh, a little over an hour and a half. That's one of the ones I listened to this week. I also listened to um, Wolf Mother, which takes place right after the event on Vengeful Spirit. Check it out. Uh, it's really good. It deals with the whole perpetual timeline and the perpetual sort of subplot. And then to further educate myself, I listened to Perpetual by Dan Abnett, which is another short story that deals with old person, um, takes place right after the Battle of Kalth. Uh, <laughs> you just call him old person? Did I, is that, what is that, what is his name? Old Pearson? Pearson. Old person? Yeah. Pearson? I thought it's Alanis Pius, something like that? Person? I don't know. He's, Alanis uh, Pius is who he's going to be, pretty sure. Okay, alright. Well, to be fair, he's a Perpetual, he has a lot of names. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's definitely old person, and uh, it does sound like old person, but it's not. Uh, it, it's it's a good story. It, it it links in sort of what happened at Calth and where we're going, and uh, I hope we get there, man. I hope Dan gets a chance to write like another fucking you know three or four books before you know before the end of this whole thing. Yeah. It will never end. I don't know. <laughs> also true. It- it will never end. Despite the, <laughs> despite the canning of the Mark II armor line, it will never end. That's right. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a little bit, too. But That's what I've been up to. Yeah. <laughs> Jaron. Oh, um, Dave, there was another one that you read recently, wasn't it? Uh, Nav- uh, Heart of the Conqueror? Oh, my God. So good. I don't Steven. think I read that. I don't even recognize that title, to be honest. Dave so was telling me about it, and I haven't read it yet, but... That's just like, oh, that sounds awesome. Dude, that's an awesome story. Yeah. Seriously, like read it tonight. Hard it to it okay, I'll try to find that. It's in uh, what you- Legacies of Betrayal, if you have that one. Okay. Uh, I might. Gotcha. It's one of those uh, short stories. Yeah, it's like five pages. So or something. Not long at all. Those short stories, uh, like I've kind of come to the realization that they are way more uh, plot uh, yes. 
driven and 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 there's the, narratively exploitive and everything else like they are going to blow there's a your, lot of good stuff that happens yeah. behind the scenes in those short stories like real important man. stuff yeah like they're not just throwaway stuff it's actual you know yeah plot devices and whatnot for other main story books and they only take like 15 minutes to read dude or like yeah. you know 30 minutes to listen to on a long drive like yep, that's they're perfect yeah. Yeah, it's true. I've been um, whenever I have to drive up to Maryland for work, I load up a an audio drama or a short, and I listen to it on the way there, and I'm done by the time I'm at work. It's great. Sweet, Jared. Other than the awesome event that we that you ran earlier yesterday, what have you been up to this week? Uh, getting ready for the event. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I had. 30 Terminators, 10 Templars, and 15 Phallax Warders to get done, done, you know, to where I was happy. And yep. between work, that was pretty much all I did. Uh, but uh, y'all want to go into talking about the event a little bit, at least? Yeah, if you want to do a, just like a few quick minutes, we'll wrap it up. Or we can do that immediately after uh, what we've been up to, if you want to do that. So, um, it's just a... Uh, I know... If you, awesome. want to jump, if you want to jump out, if you want to talk about it right now so you can head out, that's fine too. Yeah, I'll, I'll, let me do just like a little intro to kind of explain what was going on, what we did. And then sure, go ahead. Steven can take it away with the BFG thing. All right. So, go for uh, it. so yesterday's event was uh, a joint 30K and Battlefleet Heresy game. So we had two separate game boards, Austin and Steven. We're playing a game of Battlefleet Gothic, a big game of Battlefleet Gothic. And then we had about 10 players on the 30K board who were, uh, so like five aside, and were fighting on a board that was uh, a space station, which was actually represented by a model on the BFG board. So we had you know, a, a battle going around uh, in the void and then, you know, land units battling it out on top of the space station. And, uh, you know, BFG, the fleets would send in reinforcements, which would then deep strike onto the uh, 30K board. Um, overall, I think the event went pretty successfully. Um you know, there were a couple hiccups, a couple, you know, things to, to get figured out. Um, BFG and 30K definitely don't operate on the same time frame as far as, uh, you know, <laughs> Not even a little bit. Say again, Steve? You said not even a little bit? No? Jared, man, I nope. think we lost you. Did you lose me? Nope. Yeah. We ha okay. Well, we got you back now, but go ahead. All right. Um. So there were some things to, to uh, get figured out. You know, 30K and BFG don't operate on the same time frame as far as turns and uh, game length. And particularly, we had two players in the BFG and then 10 on the 30K board with uh, 3,000 points per player. So we had, you know, right around 30,000 points on the board plus <laughs> another... 30K, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but then... Austin and Steven had units coming in. I mean, I think Steven brought in six units turn two. Uh, plus two sure Titans. 
how many dreadnoughts did you bring? I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, I brought, let's see, one Margul, two Contemptors, um, two Box Dreadnoughts, and a Leviathan. A ton. Uh, <laughs> so six. Six Dreadnoughts. But, Not uh, quite the game... 14 Dreadnoughts that I wanted to field, but a lot. You're breaking our hearts here. Um, the game on the 30k board centered around three objectives, which were a uh, comms array, a uh, kind of ordnance battery, and then the weapon systems for the stations, which uh, Stephen had written up some pretty impressive uh, BFG rules for the station's weaponry, which were kicking ass from what I understand. Uh, they were kicking ass. Not as much as I would have liked, but enough. Yeah, as the person who was receiving all of that fire, I can say they were as kick-ass as needed to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not an ass more was kicked. But uh, later, Will and I will go into it in a, a bit more in-depth what, what went down on the 30K side. But uh, to just give you a big picture, it ended up each side had 13 victory points at the end. Um, so we were at a just dead, dead heat. Uh, Loyalists had taken two of the three objectives, but they had very little hope of taking the third. I mean, that one was securely, I think there were like 30 emperor's children, a bunch of automata, 20 militia, just there was more stuff than we could deal with. And we were not going to take that third objective at all. Um, so, so Jared, while, while we've got you on, man, I know you have yeah. a very limited amount time but to kind of set you up for where you're going with will tomorrow and so the listeners kind of get a better understanding of, of how our events link into a larger narrative right so this event took place in the d43 system right correct and and, and there were there were like legitimate objectives on the line here so the the space station started out in the Traitor's hands or the loyalist hands? Uh, so the background for the, the scenario we kind of wrote up is the station is held by the traitors. So they deployed all their forces onto the, the space station area. Um, the uh, loyalist fleet, which uh, everybody was on board Space Wolves vessels, um, was going to do a sneak attack. They were going to, you know, kind of shock and awe, hit them from out of nowhere, overwhelm the defenders and just take it. And that would be, uh, the station would be theirs. And that would control some of the major warp routes that go into the D 43 system. Cause loyalists have had kind of a rough time in the last couple of events. Uh, so, you know, much to the loyalists, bad luck right around the time they, uh, land troops on the space station and entire word bearers fleet comes out of the warp and both sides just start pouring bodies and material onto the station, trying to take it, but also trying to take it intact because it's very strategically important. So if the station's wrecked, even if you have it, it's not really going to do you any good strategically. Gotcha. But, awesome. um, yeah, man. So, <coughs> so at the end, uh, loyalists control the station. So the station is in the hands of the loyalists. Yes. So how it went down, um, the, on the 30 K board, we had pretty much battled each other to a dead heat. Um, you know, I think if we had gone a couple more turns, there just wouldn't have been any models left. We all would have tabled each other. Um, <laughs> probably, 
but uh, on the BFG side of things, um, Austin got some some pretty solid rolls off and had some some decent maneuvering and uh, was was really sticking it to Steven. Um, so even though the 30k board was locked, the loyalists held the void, which means they could land, you know, big picture, they could land reinforcements at will, they could overwhelm the traders that were remaining on the station. So loyalists won the event, but the 30k board was tied, but because of the BFG side, they won. Right, which is which is really something I think this is where we want to go, right? So the, I think we're going to talk about this in, in the cast uh, tonight. We're going to talk about um, specifically the, the BFG side of the interplay between, um, you know, your event, the 30K event, and the BFG event, and sort of how they link together and the, and the, overall, the overall sort of effects and the cute effects and how they work together. Um, but I want the listeners to kind of understand at, at uh, Richmond... Uh, 30k all of the events we do that have the d43 um, label the narrative label they all play into a um, an ongoing set of of uh, narrative events and campaigns and so the results of the loyalists taking um, what was the space station's name again jared and kylia yeah so the results of the of the loyalists taking and holding Ankylia space station and intact, by the way. So it's, it's a still, if not fully operational space station, it's a pretty, um, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely still going to be able to, to put some hurt. Well, down. the space station didn't take a single hit the entire game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. And so that, it's, I mean, it's fully yeah. operational, fully I was operational. Yes, completely sir. surprised by that. Um, I'll, I'll go Me into too, it a little, more, a little bit more with will, but, I was anticipating the station getting either crippled or just destroyed and it didn't take a single hit. I was, I was pretty amazed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really kind of cool. And I think it's, it's definitely <laughs> something we want to talk about more, but I know your time is limited, man. And, uh, thank you for setting up that, that conversation that's going to happen. Is there anything else you want to say to kind of cue us up for the conversation to follow? Not really. I think I think we've covered all the the basics. You want to go into the BFG thing, and then we'll uh, we'll pick back up with the thirty uh, k side. Yeah, we're definitely going to get there. I think Austin and Steve are going to talk BFG. We're going to have some questions for them. You and Will are going to talk about this tomorrow. We're going to yeah. splice it in um, to the cast. So it it may yeah. be a, a little. It may sound a little disjointed to the listeners, but I th- I think we'll be I think we'll be good. Yeah, if we just kind of explain it, I think I think that'll be fine. Yeah, no, totally, man. I think it's going to be awesome, and I think sure. it's definitely worth talking about too. Because I think what you did, man, and what we did uh, is sort of where the holy grail of gaming events are. You know, it lies. Is how do you link together these these different game systems into an overarching narrative event so you can start to, um, y- you know. Uh, replicate the events of of sector-wide system-wide you know planet-wide warfare um and it's it's just only going to get cooler so jared thank you so much man for fucking running this event and and just putting it out there Uh, i think it's going to be awesome i look forward to 
a lot more events like this to come. Well, dude, you know, everybody except for Will, who really, you know, made this happen is here. But seriously, thank you guys, because this was this was the most fun I've had playing the game. And it was every one of you did something. Yeah, it was awesome. Making Zone Mortalis or (laughs) making that freaking space station and making the BFG and all that shit happen. That was just badass, dude. Yeah, it was a blast. But Good stuff. All right. Well, thank you, Jared. You'll we'll have talk. fun. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. And uh, yeah, see you soon. Um, skipping over me for a second. Stephen, what have you been up to this week? Uh, kind of in the same boat as Jared, which is to say uh, rapidly scrambling to get yeah. my fleet and the space station done in time for um, for the event. Uh, and I, I kind of, I wish I had documented the process of building the space station better because I would really like to put up a uh, a tutorial for how I did it um, on the uh, on the, either the website or uh, or on Facebook the Facebook well, page. You're just gonna have to make another one. I guess, I guess so. <laughs> um, but uh, I I built the space station. I had the superstructure completed. I had all the bits put on it, and then it just sat and languished unpainted for probably about four days before the event. And then I uh I buckled down and I got it done. Um but it was it was a lot of fun getting all my all my fleets painted up in time. Uh, I, I have to agree with what Will frequently says is events are the biggest motivator for painting for me because I'll I'll you know flip between projects and there's if you look at my desk right now there's just probably four or five half finished projects sitting on it. Uh, but come event time, they're all going to get cleared up and, and completed. So that'll be nice. Um, but it was mostly just painting ships and painting that space station. Yep. Well, did I lose people? What's going on? I hear you. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, Jesse's just ignoring me because he doesn't love me. Probably. Mm, damn it. Uh, I bought a bunch of Skaven. I am now three hundred dollars into a Skaven army. I hope my mom. Many markets will do that, do you? Yeah, if I'm, I'm really hoping my mom doesn't listen to this podcast. I can hear her voice right now. Just, I told you you'd spend too much money on those models. Uh, I can see her disembodied head just floating in circles around mine. Well, that's scary. Oh, oh, now you come back. Yeah, no, it's record. Like I said, recording out of the uh, out of the office today, so. Apparently, I plugged into yeah. one the one outlet that wasn't charging this laptop. So, <laughs> hmm, very good, very good. So, yeah. hopefully, I'll get some. Uh, hopefully, I'll start to get some fantasy games in because uh, I love Skaven. I know this is a thirty k podcast. The old rat rats, but, but Skaven are cool. Rat boys. <laughs> nice. Well, I didn't hear just about any of that, but thanks, Stephen. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, from, no problem. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, for myself. Um, I had a 4x4 Zone Mortalis board, tiles and walls, doors and everything, and I just airbrushed every single fucking night to get that ready for the event, which was a blast. A lot of stress, but now I have a 4x4 Zone Mortalis board to play on to. So that's great stuff. Yep. Um, Also, been listening listening to audiobooks while driving and painting, and I listened to Wolfsbane. Dear God, I won't give anything away, but... This is just as good a setup of the March to Terra as any other book. 
because things are about to take place. And it was, it was a stuff's about to happen. It was an awesome book. Highly recommend it. Probably one of my favorites out of the series. Hmm. And I'm not even a space wolf guy, but this was a, this was pretty intense. Well, space wolves are, uh, make for compelling characters. Indeed they do, Stephen. Indeed they do. <laughs> right? Mm. It's always good to hear a positive note from Stephen regarding Space Wolves. The Volca yeah. Fenrica. Yes. Steve does <laughs> warriors of the route. May they live forever in our hearts and minds. Indeed. <laughs> but yeah, like, so yeah, that was pretty much all I've been up to. And sh- showing Carol how to airbrush, which has been fun. She's been enjoying it, so that's always a good thing. And yeah, so yeah, it's that's been good. a been a yeah, been a good week. And with that, that's what we've been up to. So I guess coming up next, we'll talk about the uh, Battlefleet Gothic or Battlefleet Heresy section of the event from yesterday, with Stephen and Austin being the two contenders of that game. We'll chat a little bit more about General Battlefleet Heresy. And I guess we're going to go on with Austin to talk about Militia. Is that what we're talking about after that, I believe? Yes, sir. Cool stuff. All this and more over here at the Remembrances Retreat, and we'll be right back. Now for a word from our sponsors. Nice, nice. Looking forward to the final result. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I like him so much. I'm gonna put him in a light box to take a photo of him. Cool. As I tell you, once you start photographing with a light box, just you're spoiled for the rest of your life. Oh, oh yeah, it definitely. World, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I have one myself, but I haven't really been using it because I didn't have much room in my old place. But now it's gonna have. Some, there's. I feel there's like gonna there's, be some room now. So. I feel like there's some uh, some like equipment purchases that every hobbyist goes through in their lifetime as a. Mm-hmm. Hobby. And it's like Lightbox is one of them. The first time you use one, you never want to take photos of that again. Yep. Airbrush, uh, the first you'll time never go you, back. Yep. <laughs> Airbrush, you'll never go back to hand basing or even hand dry brushing. Just none of that. I, uh, I am, I think, the only person I know to have gone back from airbrushing. Well, all right. Austin's the exception that proves the rule because he's a weirdo. Um, <laughs> what's uh, a Dremel? After you use an electric Dremel for the first time, you'll never go back to like hand cranking out barrels. Fuck that. I'm still. Ooh, you do that? The first time you use a Dremel? Yeah, man. You put a fucking drill bit on the end of a little, like, $10 Dremel tool. Like, live your life, man. You might might do a couple of cranks by hand to, like, get the hole started. Yeah. Um, But I normally just take the tip of my X Acto knife and, like, spin it around a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then drill drill bit. Boom. If you want to magnetize anything, a Dremel Dremel is the one hundred percent. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. That is the reason why I have so much magnetization going on now. Yeah, Yeah. I can see it. It's just to to drill out bolter. Uh, Well, I mean, if you're if you're like if you're kind of one of those (laughs) you're one of those madmen that likes to drill out their bolter barrels. Yeah, um, can't can't say I do that. Yeah, like my Dremel has almost a microscopic bit that I. Just poke against the barrel and then I drill it out. It's good. It's real good. But after after fighting with my desolator battleship, after three stems broke mm. off in that bitch, mm. I was like, "Fuck it!" I'm trying. I'm sitting there like just sweating and bleeding, grind trying to hand grind it out. 
And I got tired of it. I said, screw it. I went down the street to Lowe's that night when I bought a Dremel. Nice. <laughs> I will say um, the, nail, the nail glue, I'm now becoming a pretty solid believer in that stuff right there. Like I wasn't sure. Yeah, that, um, power X. I don't know what you call it. Just not nail polish. It's like nail glue for fake fingernails. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard little, of this. It was a little finicky at first, but once you yeah. once you kind of get in the idea of, you know, it doesn't work exactly like gel super glue or anything like that. There is a little bit of the set time can be weird. I haven't really got that down yet. Once it's set, like it's solid. <laughs> you can get the fast setting stuff, and that's damn near instantaneous. Sometimes yeah. it's it's weird. It's like it's the amount the, the application is, is key because it's very yeah. it's very liquidy. The one I have. And you more or less just yeah. To, you really got to get just the bare minimum on there. Yeah, you think it's not enough to do the job? But. Oh yeah, it is. Like you barely have to touch the nozzle onto the piece, and you've got enough on there. Mm-hmm. But I bought a four pack from Amazon for like fifteen bucks. I'm like, yes, please. But yeah, that's some good Shisha. stuff. Like it. Resin, metal, everything. <laughs> Plus, yeah, I'm using it now instead of super glue because yeah. super glue has that uh, wow. acrylo cyr, some fancy chemical name that I can't think of at the moment. It's, yeah. it's cyroacrylic that the fumes just mess me up. This doesn't have fumes, yeah. or at least it hasn't been enough to wow. where I don't smell it, but I haven't had an allergic reaction to it. So it's like I've finally found you know, the new stuff. So I'm happy with that. The new hotness. Right? Yeah, it's always nice when you can, you know, pursue your hobby without dying in the process. Yeah, yeah. Like, I always dreaded doing forge world stuff because, like, I had to break the super glue out and I didn't want to have to wear that full face respirator. But I don't have to anymore. So it's pretty sweet. Sweet. So, where are we going? What are we doing yeah, next? This uh, Battlefleet Heresy with Austin and Steven. Just ba-da-ba. dragging them all here. Fire away, guys. Where do you guys want to start? Start with the game? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This was part of a campaign, Uh, right? This battle? um, No, our campaign ended. Well, I'll let Austin explain that. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, so the idea was, because for Battlefield Gothic, for a one-off game, there's really just as much, like, initial paperwork to do as starting a campaign, because like you got to roll leadership and you got to buy admirals and all this other nonsense. Um, but we just wanted to jump right in with the cool stuff we've been using for our campaigns. So we took our campaign fleet ships in, uh, which was beautiful because my battleship had just got the. <laughs> so backing up a second, after each battle or after each campaign round, you can get uh, I think Stephen mentioned earlier like refits and reinforcements. Uh, and the refit it got was add 25% additional hull points. So I had a 15 hull point battleship for this game, which was amazing. Now, um, for those of, for reference, uh, cruisers have eight, and they're like the spot, the backbone of most fleets. And to kill a cruiser takes a lot of firepower. Yeah, it it probably will reliably to get a cruiser like dead in a turn. Takes three or four other cruisers. Oh wow! Yeah. So once you start getting to like ten, twelve hull points, that's a lot. And fifteen was just obnoxious and amazing. Not to mention four shields. Right. 
which you have uh, to go through every turn. Yeah, shields come back automatically. It's great. Um, <laughs> so we decided on 1,700 points uh, as kind of bigger than the maximum size you get uh, in a campaign game, which is 1,500. Um, but the game really does bog way the hell down at above 2,000. So we felt it was like a happy medium. Uh, in addition to these fleets, uh, we each got a heavy transport for free, uh, containing uh, the Titan support for the Mega Battle. Um, and the the basic the basic layout was there was some in the center was the space station, um, off uh, maybe two and a half feet to the left. Uh, was a warp rift, which is what the station was guarding and plays a very important role. Uh, and then scattered around all of this were some nebula and asteroid fields. Uh, the objectives for both fleets, uh, the primary objective was to get your reinforcements onto the table, uh, onto the 30k table. You did that um, by launching either Thunderhawks or Dreadclaws, you know, you say, hey, this Thunderhawk has this squad in it, or these couple of squads, and if they make it to the station, and make it through the turret fire, they show up on the 30k table. Um, I think some of them were coming in via deep strike, some were coming in on board edges, uh, and really just screwing screwing with uh, the 30k players. Uh, in addition Which to that... Really all we can hope for as, a, as an auxiliary game. Indeed. Uh, in addition to that, the heavy transport had the Titan. If you got that within 10 centimeters of the station, uh, the Titan would land, uh, which was awesome. That is yeah. awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and lest you think that it was just us sticking with them, all of the objectives on the 30K table directly translated to what the space station could do. Uh, so the 30K guys were fighting over things like the weapons batteries, uh, the Super Doomsday gun, the turrets that would shoot down the reinforcing craft, um, which did not go well for the Loyalists. So, so um, Austin, let me just like pause there because that's super ambitious, right? Like you don't like normally at Nova, and when when we hear about Ryan talk about like the tables that he's run at Nova, like the queued effects go one way, right? So it's one table queuing effects for another table. But you guys are talking about, like, literally a dynamic interplay. So what happens on the 30K table can affect the BFG table. What's happening on the table you and Steven are on can happen, can affect, you know, and does affect the 30K table. Like, that is a fucking super ambitious plan, man. And so, like, how did you guys get after that? So we decided, because as I mentioned earlier, uh, these games do not play at the same speed. Um, it's for something as big, quote unquote, as the BFH uh, game was, it'll run about the same speed as like a 1v1 or 2-30k game, but obviously in a mega battle, everything goes slower. Um, so we decided to decouple them turn-wise, because in BFG, there'll be a couple of turns that take you know three times longer than the turns before it because there was a lot of maneuvering and suddenly you know you're at the point of decision and a lot of fires coming in. Uh, meanwhile, in 30k, kind of every turn matters, right? Yeah. Um, so we decided to decouple them. So what was happening is 
Um, whenever you know one of Stevens' dreadclaws full of dreadnoughts got on the tape, got onto the station, you know, we let uh, I think Jolly knew Jolly know uh, who was the guy that was running Stevens' models on the ground. Uh, and the next time, you know, hey, Trader Turn starts. Congratulations, the Steven has provided you these three units. They're coming in. Uh, likewise, at the start of every Battlefleet Heresy turn, uh, we'd kind of call out like, "Hey guys, like, who has who has the super weapon? Who has the weapons batteries? Who's in charge of the turrets?" And damned if the traders didn't have them every time we asked, um, or they were either contested. So nobody had them, or the traders had them the whole time. Yeah, the uh, traders held the center very well, like, which made me so sad. <laughs> they were um, they were on there, and we just could not get to the center, like the, the Lord was. intended. So yeah. that was that. So that was like a literal call out. So you're in the middle of your battlefleet gothic turn, and but you're in. Are you in the shooting phase, the ordnance phase? What uh, for, phase for what? For for when you call out whether or not the traitors or the loyalists hold the super weapons on the uh, uh, well, we, yeah, so we just at the start of every yeah, game, at the relevant phase, yeah, yeah, because yeah. like in so the shooting like, phase, it was hey, let's check to see the batteries, the super weapons in the um, orders phase, which ironically, I think loyalists held the comms relay the entire game, <laughs> and we just and totally Austin never, and Austin never made you, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so th- there was a couple of things going on. Uh, the space the space station uh, was a Rambley's class starfort. Pretty much, we had since there were three combined tables uh, on the 30k table, we only had three facings instead of the four that are supposed to be. Um, but each one of those station like facings is like a battleship unto itself. Uh, so when the traders, hey, traders have the the station's guns. I was sucking like twelve weapons batteries wow. and five lances uh, wow. from every one of those facings that had one of my <laughs> ships in it. Uh, and then they had the death, the friggin' death ray once, uh, and that was like another eight lances. Just ha ha, you dick! Oh man, I love that. I, uh, I the doomsday gun was awesome. Jason, the doomsday gun only fired once, thank God. But Jason came over and was like, "Hey guys, what do I do?" I'm like. You get eight shots, they hit on fours, you blow up whatever you want. And he's like, all right, uh, I'm going to delete that light cruiser. And he did. Wow. And it was terrible. Wow. Um, yeah, so it, I, think, I think that part went really well. We also had a mechanic where if a side thought they were losing a section, uh, they could ask the fleet to bombard it for them. Um, but as, as Jared mentioned earlier, like the battle was such a deadlock just across the front, uh, that nobody actually, (laughs) nobody thought they were going to lose. Uh, so nobody bothered to have the fleet just start blowing up the station. Yeah. Uh, Which I don't know about Boston, but that surprised the hell out of me. It it surprised me. It was, it was a bloodbath everywhere. Because we had, we had rules written that never even came into play during the game uh, for, for what happens as the station took damage. And yeah, like there was going to be a whole point was lost. Explosive decompression, the whole, like anything you can remember from uh, the Zone Mortalis, like fighting on a space station badness. Uh, but, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so the, the mission itself for us, uh, the way it worked is you rolled a d6, 
and you divided the uh, deployment, deployment zone up into three sections. Um, on a one, your opponent got to pick the section your ship was in because uh, it was sort of supposed to represent this mad scramble uh, of all these ships just trying desperately to get troops in and fight. Uh, on a six, you got to pick which section, uh, and otherwise, they were randomly assigned. Uh, so I wound up with a good portion of my fleet to the left of the station, um, just kind of all hunkered in. And Steven was kind of more evenly spread, and I had two light cruisers, uh, my two Dauntless, cruisers. just in the air, all alone, like 90 centimeters from every other ship in my fleet. Um, and I was kind of looking at his deployment, and I was like, well, crap. Uh, he's going to pretty much just, like, encircle me if I run straight at the station. But I need to run straight at the station if I'm going to actually, you know, be of help to the 30K guys, which is the whole point of my being here. Uh, and then I started looking real hard at that warp rift. Now, a <laughs> warp rift, what it does is... Uh, if a ship goes into the warp rift, they make a leadership check on 3d6, and if they pass, they can pop out anywhere you like within 2d6 times 10 centimeters of the warp rift. Huh. So, it's hard to do, because your leadership is like 8 or 9 most days, and like that on 3d6, as anyone who uses Psychic Shriek will tell you, good odds <laughs> of getting above that. Uh, but I was pretty sure I was hosed if I tried to fight this the normal way. Uh, and the Space Wolf Battlefleet Heresy bonus, which honestly I hadn't thought much of until this event, is you get to re-roll uh, navigating Celestial Phenomena. Such as the Warp Rift. So I had my Lunar, my Gothic, and my Squadron of Novas uh, just... Like, turn, I think, turn two or three, like, right as we were kind of about ready to engage at long range, uh, jump into the warp rift. Plowed Why the hell long. not? First, I you, to... first you locked on. Oh, yeah, first I locked on with my cruiser squadron, because there's no reason to not do that. <laughs> Just in case. Uh, then I sailed directly ahead and entered the warp rift and promptly failed my first, my first check. <laughs> uh, but made it with the reroll. Great, great glory to uh, to the All Father. Second cruiser goes in, makes it. Great glory to the All Nova Squadron goes in, fails to check, makes it on the reroll, uh, and suddenly, like six hundred points of my fleet is behind Stephen. Oh wow! And yeah. that was amazing. <laughs> it was. Uh, uh, was it that was... the shriek of terror that Stephen was doing? No, that was Rob when the Titan cracked. Yeah, that oh, was yeah, different. That... Yeah, that's I, a I just, different horror story. Okay. Right. No, there but were, that there was were my like, of childish on all freaks sides. of delight <laughs> uh, as my ridiculous plan just kept getting more and more successful. <laughs> um, so what it now looks like is there's a station, and then most of Steven's fleet, and then on the other side of the station is my like main body, and then behind Steven's fleet is a couple of cruisers and an escort squadron. Some big uh, and, and just to put that in perspective, like that. my entire fleet was four cruisers, a battleship, two light cruisers, and a, the escort squadron. 
So like about a third mm. of my points is suddenly behind him. Uh, exact place I don't want them. Yeah, and meanwhile, the two Dauntless that are way the hell away from everything else are suddenly looking down the barrels of two big boy cruisers and just decide they want none of that and spent most of the game running away. I uh, believe the proper term is baiting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that worked out pretty well. But uh, So I came in, and at this point, Steven's already got friggin' six units onto the, ta- onto the 30k table. Uh, meanwhile, my first wave of Thunderhawks kind of got blown up. Uh, Steven well, so, was better. Yeah. So, Austin, that's just what I wanted to ask, man. It's like, did you see your mission in this game as, like, trying to prevent Steven from landing reinforcements, or did you see it as, like, annihilating Steven's fleet? Because... I feel like there's 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 definitely a dynamic there, right? So, like, had you been able to prevent Steven's fleet from landing reinforcements, like, would you have tried to do that? Oh, I absolutely tried to try to stop that. Okay. Um, both of us, I think, were working pretty hard. At least the units, uh, the heavy transports with the Titans, actually remained untouched. Um, and part of that was when my ships came out behind his fleet. I had the option, because there was a dust cloud in the way between his heavy transport and his fleet, so I couldn't shoot both. Uh, so I thought, well, I'll kill his carrier first, because that's easy. Well, that's no, no harder than getting the Titan. Uh, and that's, you know, 2,500 points worth of stuff that hasn't made it versus the one Titan. Uh, so no, I think we were both pretty committed to, like, helping our boys playing 28mm uh, win their game. Okay. Cuz okay, like Stephen so was taking were, shots. Yeah. yeah, Stephen was taking shots at Thunderhawks which he knew weren't meant for his fleet instead of shooting at my ships a couple of times specifically to to help out the, the 30k table. And it did. I think yeah, uh, uh, how many out of 3000 points of reinforcements which is our army, I got all 3000 of mine on the table, Titan included. Wow. Um, Austin I think probably lost maybe what a quarter of it in the void. Oh, at least. I lost a Grey Hunter pack with a uh, Speaker for the Dead, a full 20-man pack. I lost both an 8-man Melta and an 8-man Plasma Squad, uh, and a Contemptor Dreadnought mm. in the Void. Uh, the rest of it made it, but like that's not an inconsiderable chunk of troops. And when you realize that the game ended in a 13-13 tie, like that extra... Grey Slayer pack might have been able to turn things around. Yeah. From what I understand, I, I was I was only kind of um, what Jolly was doing with my my word bearers, but uh, a big old tactical squad came in like right behind the loyalist lines and just started laying down bolter fire. And, okay, uh, so this is probably a conversation that Will and um, and Jared will get into um, when they start talking, but. What, like, talk us through the dynamic of how they landed. So you got them past the turret fire of the space station. You got them past the turret fire of, um, you know, opposing fleets. So, so where were the reinforcements? How did they get onto the 30K board? So I can answer that one because I was actually playing on the board. If you don't mind, Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, depending on what type of unit, they would either be coming in 
onto the uh, hangar bay. But um, to backtrack, so the table was set up very, uh, very neatly, where we had three tables set up in a T pattern. In the top of that T, there was a hangar bay, and on either end of the three uh, corners, there were basically the Stephen. Yes. Okay. What? What the hell are you? <laughs> oh, I was shaking a paint pot. That was probably just the. Okay, it was sounding really weird. But anyway, so on the three corners, um, units could come in and deep strike in. And then there was a hangar bay that was connected to the zone mortalis board that units could also come into. So yeah, they, so they that, would come that, in from three. So there were, there were four sides that they can come, could come in on. So how did you decide which side they were co- coming in on? That, I believe, was to the discretion of whoever was in charge of reinforcements. That one, okay. that, that's yeah. As plain as I could, from what I could see. But like, so we'll, we'll in that case, Jared, Jared. And Jared and Will might have more info on that. But from what I saw, yeah, it was, definitely. Yep, it was like here's some reinforcements. Figure out which where were they would do the best, where they would do the most damage. Well, the board was beautiful, guys. I mean, it oh, was thanks. just absolutely Jesse. I mean, that zone mortalis board you have and you got ready for this event i mean i 100 percent want to play on anytime i mean definitely anytime i can man i, I just that that board is gorgeous and i feel like i do my yes. best work under stupid pressure <laughs> so it's like oh yeah i finally got all my pieces i got a week to go let's do this <laughs> so i had the 16 foot by foot tiles i can't even count how many corners and walls i had I, I, Jesse only uh, <laughs> Jesse only feels alive and feels true joy when uh, when he's under the deadline. Yeah, basically. when he comes alive. Yeah, it's stressful. I hate it and I love it at the same time. But yeah, so basically that whole that four by four with all the walls and stuff fits in three bankers boxes, like, <laughs> like well, you, to, you to know, the brim on each of those. <laughs> The thing is, like, and, and we'll, we'll definitely post pictures. I know pictures are already up, actually, on the uh, Remembrancers Retreat uh, Facebook page. Yep. So if you guys want to check them out, um, gorgeous pictures of the event and gorgeous pictures of the uh, the board that Jesse made. But it was, uh, you, just, so it was, I made half of that. So we have eight by four, eight foot by four foot total. I think Will, and, yeah, Will and Jason built and painted half of it. And I, it was a, well. It was a group effort by everybody in the 30k community to build the zone mortalis, and Will and Jason, pa- yeah, Will and Will and Jason painted one half of it, and I just did a complete marathon on the other half this week. So nice. Yeah, we got eight foot nice. by four foot of zone mortalis goodness. Well, I mean, I, I definitely think there. I mean, the the hangar space that you guys have on those boards. Yeah, would certainly lend itself to um, cross crossover between Battlefleet Gothic and and Zone Mortalis or Battlefleet Gothic and 30K. So for sure, I mean, you have and so much hangar space, and it did, and it did. So yeah, that's pretty it. sure we could fit yeah. a Stormbird in there if we wanted to. It's a basically two foot by two foot square. So yeah, if you can fit a Stormbird on a, a Roman yes. battle tile, then yeah, it could fit in yes. the hangar real easy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Fucking awesome, dude. All right, sorry to distract. Austin, no, back to you guys, man. Uh, 
don't know, Stephen, how did you feel about a third of my fleet showing up behind you? Um, it was uh, it was disconcerting to be sure. Um, um, whereas Warhammer 40k can be said to be a uh, the the assault phase and the shooting phase are, are where the game is won. Uh, Battlefleet Gothic is one in the movement phase. Um, positioning is everything for that game. It is the difference between having your full complement of firepower, just reducing your target to spinning pieces of metal, or like plinking off a shield. Um, so definitely having that much firepower, which is six weapons batteries and six lances, uh, it basically a point blank behind my cr- uh, carriers was really upsetting. Getting rerolls. Getting rerolls because they were locked on. Now, ultimately, um, even though I was talking about this earlier, my carrier, the, the hangman, is pretty unlucky as far as ships go. Um, she's the she's the airborne equivalent of my Venator tank. Uh, but she survived with one whole point left. Yeah, that uh, that was disappointing. I put as one much fire into her as I could. Yeah, and still able to launch craft. So, and that's what made it. Because if I'd killed it, you would have been able to get what maybe half of your your reserves yeah. onto that thirty k board. Yeah, there was a there was a lucky torpedo salvo that um kind of uh, it's it it crippled another carrier, but it was the equivalent of like firing a bullet into the air and having it fall on somebody's head. Yeah, like, pretty much. Uh, it was two torpedoes. Uh, so. Just to run you through how ridiculous it was. The ship had two turrets, which need four up. On a four up, the torpedo is dead. End of story. It had three, because it was a carrier. Oh, it had three, you're right. Uh, He whiffed. None of that mattered. So two torpedoes needing five ups. Uh, One of them hit. You then roll, and on a six, you cause a critical hit, uh, which I did. And then there's a lovely chart, and you roll a 2d6. uh, And most of them aren't terrible. A few cause an extra hull point here and there, uh, but I boxcarsed it and did an extra D6 and crippled the carrier. With yeah, one from hit. full health. From like, full health. <laughs> those two torpedoes <laughs> did five points of damage. God, and that's amazing. And just immediately crippled that ship. Um, in my hubris, I did not brace, so I had no saves against it. I was like, eh, you torpedoes, get out of here. Well, they did. <laughs> Uh, so she was crippled, but she, she too was able to launch more, uh, reinforcements onto the station. So that was cool. Um, not to be outdone, uh, I decided that I was going to repeat the same trick and I too flew into a warp rift. Uh, I too failed my uh, leadership check to navigate. Uh, but as I do with all of my carriers, I gave them the mark of Zinch, which gives them a free reroll, um, for a command check for either navigating or uh, going under orders. So I re-rolled it, succeeded, and came out right behind the cruisers that were right behind me. Uh, <laughs> and for a while... The old leapfrog. Yeah, haha, the old rope-a-dope. Um, for a while, it looked like I was going to kind of pull that those two cruisers being right up my ass out of the bag. Uh, and I did, to my credit, obliterate the escort squadron. Mm. Yeah, they... Um, they they did good work, but they did not live long. Yeah, and uh, in a, in the gentleman's agreement, being in good position, but absolutely 
failing to destroy the target. Uh, I poured obscene amounts of power into those cruisers. I I uh, I slammed on the brakes on my battleship and had it turn around so that I could just dump as much ordnance into those cruisers as possible. And the first round, I got them to brace. Didn't really do a whole lot of damage. Second round, they didn't brace because they wanted to be big damn heroes, and it worked out because neither of them were crippled, and both of them survived. Yep, and that that's really... Like, there, there was a lot of back and forth in it, but that but was the, the moment... That was the moment where I won the game. Yeah. Because um, at that point, they were they both managed to lock on again, pour one broadside into his uh, escort squadron, and dump the other broadside into his battleship, with my battleship also locked on, uh, yeah, on the other side of it. A rock and a fiery place. And just murdered her so hard. Yeah. Uh, I think I crippled her in like one round of shooting, which is obscene. She, she, went, she went from, uh, well, she was at 13 when she started, but she was at 9 when you crippled her. Or yeah, rather, it, um, starting at the turn you crippled her, she was at 9. Yeah, um, it, it was... It made me very happy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, part of it... it I'm, I'm not too torn up about the loss, uh, because my sh- my fleet, essentially fought his that bloody of an engagement down two ships because I had a murder and a slaughter just out with their dicks in the wind trying to catch dauntlesses. Pro tip, you apparently can't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just for the, I'm gonna Despite the slaughter hear me, being faster. Hear me now, listeners. Hear me now. Witness my oath. I am editing the heresy fleet list to cut out dauntlesses. <laughs> And this is why two of us are in charge of this. This is such a <laughs> bullshit vessel. <laughs> you need two people to hit the uh, the override. Yeah, right. <laughs> got yeah, pull, yeah, turn the keys. keys. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, it was a it was a lot of fun. It was a lot yeah, of fun, was, and especially just like look fun over uh, there. All mass chaos as much over as it, the like, table, and then look over and you just yeah, these like two as much people as it just hurt, eh. as much as it hurt me to. Uh, be constantly subject to weapons fire because the loyalists like they, and like I was talking to Robbie about it and they were apparently holding points. Um, but every time we turned around to ask per Robbie, uh, it was always in the hair, the heretic movement phase. So they were like moving on to points. And then one of us would be like, Hey, who has the most points? And they'd be like, well, we just claimed the majority. Yeah. <laughs> um, but o- overall, I think I think the meshing of the two went pretty well. Uh, yeah. There were some times where Steven and I had to pump the brakes. Um, yeah, we we took a break at one point and went and but, perused the mini market while we waited for like, the turn to catch up. If they both been, I guess, true mega battles, like if we'd had two or three people on each side of the heresy game, um, I think they would have sailed kind of more in tune with each other. And since it was just the two of us. Like, we were perfectly happy to be like, you know what? We're going to, like, put dice down for you know, 20 minutes until they finish up this next turn uh, and then get back to it, you know? It, it gave us kind of a more casual mega battle day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which was you nice. Guys was very relaxed as opposed to us over at the... Yeah. We had good game faces on. We had good game faces on. There was some sphincter clenching on our end as well. There was, yeah, uh, there was me- definitely- mega battles are... <laughs> 
anxiety triggers for me, but I still enjoy them. Yeah, like, it, <laughs> but if you, but if you like, want to be at a mega battle and like enjoy that sort of like the camaraderie and the cool stuff that goes on, but want to like not be part of the stressful. Oh my god, I have thirty minutes to finish my turn, and what the hell is the other like eight thousand points on my side of the table doing? Four people like, telling you at the same a, time to take different rolls and saves for different things. It's like, oh, yeah, like this was my like. This was actually kind of <laughs> nice because we kind of yeah. like, could go at our own pace because like the 30K game wasn't like it, it was dependent on us, but it wasn't dependent on us doing things like, okay, you must have this done now. So right. like, it was very cool. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and for those of you who like mega bat, like the idea of mega battles, but don't like the sort of stress that comes with that sometimes. Uh, maybe think about running dual events. So maybe it could be, you know, a smaller 30k game with a bigger 30k game. Like it doesn't have to be BFG well, we, or we Epic. Have, or we've actually done that before. Yeah. One of our first ones was uh, we had a zone, a separate zone Mortalis game going, yeah. uh, where Matt was just taking some poor Night Lords player to the cleaners. Yeah, <laughs> guys, first like first second game facing Matt White Scar in a dark box. <laughs> yeah, it was it was Matt's Raven Guard versus uh, uh, Kevin. His name's Kevin. Uh, uh, his Night Lords, and it was just oh, gotcha. oh man, we're gonna <laughs> take this new. We're gonna take this shiny new player, and we're gonna take this veteran <laughs> player. We're gonna put them together in a dark box. Let's see what pops out afterwards. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it was a lot of fun. Like I had so, a blast. Like it's the first time I'd done a joint game like in uh, probably ten years. 15 nice. years. God, it's been, I've been doing this too long. Um, you have to have a strong community to put something like that on, man. And I think you really do. a lot. You know, and, and I think what you guys did over the weekend was, like, months in the planning. I mean, I know it was, because I, I've been on the chat with you and Jared, and, like, months in the planning, working out rules. Like, rules that you guys never even used. Um, but they were there in case you needed them. And um, I think that... You know, that, that says a lot. And so, uh, freaking awesome, you know, and uh, I can't wait to do it again. Um, if you guys had to do it again, uh, I hope we do do it again. Um, anything you would change? Hmm. Fewer Dauntlesses. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think... I wouldn't mind having, like, a two-on-two -two or three-on-three, -three, like, some more. Like, it was cool. I had a lot of fun. Um there's always room for more people at the great table of Battlefleet Heresy. Mm. Hell yeah. I think, um, um, personally, to sync up the rules, or to sync up the turns a little better, uh, they actually uh, will implemented a chess timer for, for the, uh, the 30k game. And I thought that was a cool idea. Um, I th think maybe in the future, since Battlefleet Gothic turns go much faster, um, a similar timer to get everything done, everything synced up, so that by the yeah. time that uh, the heresy game catches up to the relevant objectives, we know you know what's in what's hand. We don't have to ask. I feel uh, like that might be a little about. bit of a trial and error to get that sweet spot of... Yeah, and that, that's kind of one of the reasons why I'd very want more heresy. Or more... Um, Battlefleet? That's one of the yeah, more Battlefleet guys, because that would slow the game down more. Yeah, or, <laughs> or, fewer, or fewer points on the table. On the yeah, other side, like there, three, there's some stuff. There were three thousand points per person on that table, which that's that's uh, plus a lot an of extra. Points. So plus an extra thirty-seven fifty potentially from the BFG right. games right. side and coming in. So yeah, <laughs> and even a one-on-one three thousand point battle can take enough time. So yeah, 
Yeah. Um, but I think there's as far all as different like, variables to figure out. Yeah, and I think as far as the special rules, like how the tables interacted, I think it went really well. I think it was good. Maybe the only thing I would change, uh, just because we did write rules we didn't get to use because the battle was so tight uh, on the tables, is maybe not need anybody's permission to fire at the station. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if uh, we actually would have. Because I'm sure we would have been like, you know, cheating glances at the table and seeing what was going on before we started blowing things up. Um, but you know, maybe Jesse gives me a little bit of back talk before the game starts, and maybe what? I accidentally order a land strike on his zone. Or yeah, we have was, designated yeah. uh, Vox personnel on the field. That was a rule yeah. that we that, that we were playing around with, but we never like solidified. And I will, because we had we had like basically a general for each team on either side, and they they could probably like we were, send a um, comm out we to were, the we fleet outside. With the idea, we were toying with the idea of having a uh, a runner for each uh, for each team who would have to write down orders and requests and ferry it to the Battlefleet Gothic player. What uh, you really need is just a handful of people to play telephone. <laughs> well, right. but we and just a, from one table a, to another, and just have six or seven people <laughs> just to, go from to really fire to what's that you talk about my mother for? What'd you say? Yeah, just well, really, I think really nail well, the astropathic experience where uh, no matter yes. what you ask for, it all comes back as bananas. <laughs> it's just you, all pictures. Instead of whispering to each other, you, you just scream in their ears and just telephone well, that we, out. We did perfect. have a. We had for the rudder thing as well an idea that I kind of floated down was if the opponent if someone on the opponent's team sees the runner moving and he has a unit on the table <laughs> with a nuncio vox he can intercept the message and read it ooh that's cool or here's another idea play pictionary right that was my thought cuz that's all the just astropaths like the just see these images and whatnot not necessarily full blown uh, sentences just random pictures and we can get one of a uh, a young child to do it, like a two-year-old or a three-year-old. Say, <laughs> hey, give hey, it a couple oh, of years. Yeah. There's some, there's exactly. some people with babies in this some, group. We got some early uh, Richmond 30Kers coming up. <laughs> yeah, get your toddlers out, boys. That's right. Pull them well, out. This is a family yet event. Another, yeah, yet another idea that we had. It ended up getting scrapped because it would it was just going to take way too long. <laughs> uh, learning naval flag. Uh, language. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Have one guy standing at the end of the table with flags. Yeah, surprisingly enough, that got nixed pretty quick. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of army guys and some marines, but I don't think we have enough navy types to pull that off no. uh, in our in our local meta. However, maybe Norfolk? Anybody in San Diego? Some thought? Love it. Love it. No, man, that was awesome, guys, and uh, definitely look forward to um, doing it again sometime Definitely. soon. Yep. All right. So with that being said, we're going to wrap this segment up because we'll have another segment with Will and uh, Jared here a little bit later. And uh, yeah, so thank you, Austin Stephen, for this segment. And we'll head on up to talk about Militia, Solar Auxilla, coming up next. Stay tuned. He is back. All right. So with that being said, you ready, Austin? I am. All right. All right, guys, we are back, and we're here with Austin to talk about Militia and all the goodness that comes with it. 
something you may not have, you may have heard about but have been afraid to ask. Well, Austin's here to give out the details. I bring enlightenment. Um, so yeah, so these are your mud crunchers, bullet soaks, cannon fodder of the Great Crusade. Um, if Space Marines are sort of, you know, Navy SEALs, Green Beret, SAS level troops, uh, Imperial Militia might just qualify as like the Congolese National Guard child soldier battalion. Damn. Uh, yeah, they're not great <laughs> individually. Um, that being said, I've got four armies of Imperial Militia, uh, only one of which is uh, 8th edition 40k refugee army, um, because it's just so much fun to murder post-humans of any type uh, and giant robots and everything else with just Joe Lasgunner uh, and his five-up black armor. Uh, against Terminators and Primarchs and all that great stuff. Um, so for those of you that are kind of unfamiliar with the basic fluff of it, uh, there's the Crusade as a whole. Then in that is the Imperial, the uh, Imperialis Auxilia, which is essentially everybody who's not a space. Uh, one heart only sort of people. Uh, and that's where you have like your Solar Auxilia, what will become the Imperial Navy. And then you've got uh, the Imperial Militias, which are Imperial Guard, um, only kind of less so. Uh, they're not well regimented at all. Uh, they're everything from sort of super high-tech guys to one of the examples in the book is literally like primitive regiments uh, that will get issued tanks. And then when the tanks run out of fuel, they just leave them on the battlefield and like go club somebody to death because they don't understand that you can gas them up and go again. Um, it's not great, but uh, from the books, you had Legion, like the Geno 5Q Chiliad, uh, the Lucifer Blacks, Saranti Drax. Those are sort of, I guess, the prestige regiments. Don't you talk about Lucifer Blacks that way? They are solar auxiliary. No, very specifically. They're one of the old hundred. That makes it for a militia. you got to give us something. Hmm. Um... So, in, in addition to kind of being the perennial underdog in a 30k game, because you'll always be fighting someone who's better than you in every way, um, I also really like it because of the cost, like the cost of entry, right? Um, I know if you've come from 40k, you probably either had a marine army, uh, and maybe that's how you like first tried out some heresy. Like, oh yeah, I got some 40k blood angels, let me like play some heresy. And then you eventually get Mark III and Mark IV because that's just kind of what's expected of you. Uh, don't have to do that if you play Imperial Guard. Um, there's absolutely no reason you can't just bring on your Cadians uh, or Catacans or whatever you have and roll them as militia. Totally legit. There is no fluff reason you can't do that. Uh, anybody that argues otherwise, I will fight them. And by that, I'll get Robbie to fight them on my because he does MMA, uh, and I've been working out for like a week. Um, <laughs> Robbie is, and, our, is our champion, nominated and all. Indeed, oh, for sure. Indeed, for physical contests. Um, but what's great about Imperial Militia is because they're, since they're even less well-regulated than the Imperial Guard, you can do anything. 
uh, as far as models go. Like, I've got one army uh, that's essentially power armored. Uh, I use the uh, War Games Factory uh, Valkyr, which are amazing models. Shoved bolters on them. They're perfectly legitimate. Um, I also have an army that uses uh, War Games Factory Napoleonic Hanoverians as the basic infantry unit. Um, and, you know, did a little modification to their muskets so they look like Laszlocks, and away we go. Uh, it's amazing. Like, if you really like those Necromunda Escher, totally legitimate. Fantastic. You can get the rules to match them pretty much exactly and go right on it. Uh, and the way you do that is with providences. So as an HQ choice, you're pretty much mandatory have to take a force command. He's a bog-standard human who's not really great at anything. Uh, you can give him a three-up end save, which is super funny, but you take him because he lets you pick two provinces. Um, and they, if any of you are remembering the fourth edition Imperial Guard, they're your doctrines, right? Um, so it's everything from Survivors of the Dark Age, which is a big favorite locally for people not me doing Imperial Militia. Uh, and that mean, that lets them do plus one to their armor save, and you have to take the Grenadier units as troops, which means the Grenadiers are in three-up armor and can take bolters. So you've got, like, um, who are those power-armored guys? And, like... Uh, the Invisibles? Yeah. From, like, from like uh, Horus Rising? Oh, not, not them. Um, fuck it, I don't remember. But at one point, Fulgrim is fighting, uh, in a short story, a bunch of people in power armor that are just normal humans. These are those guys. Like, any... Like, they just sort of are. Which is kind of cool. Um, and if you are one of those people that, for some reason, really wants squats to be a thing again, <laughs> I was there when they were a thing. They shouldn't be anymore. This will probably get me hate mail. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but you can, do, <laughs> you can do that three-up save uh, and then go add human helots. And suddenly, they're in three-up saves with four-up toughness and initiative two, who's kind of squatty. Nice. Um, you can make them better leadership, better strength, uh, have a six-up invul. There's a whole host of things. Uh, and then yeah, there's some... source of the infamous cord. Yeah, and there's also the cult hordes on the tainted flesh. Uh, so if you want to have a bunch of guys with attacks rending uh, and come in packs of 50 for less than 200 points, Imperial Militia is where you do it. Uh, and that's just fantastic. Um, yeah, guard were just better back in the day, and it makes me very happy. So, like, my, my, uh, I guess most used regiment, uh, is the one I took in Nova last year. It did well. I got a shiny trophy fighting with some custodes. I did the work, and he's not here to correct me on that if I'm maybe <laughs> fudging it a little bit. Um, but no, I, I did great work, and it was a blast. Like, I I was keeping track of my losses, uh, so we we won we won uh, best team at Nova, and I took on average eighty seven percent, which is amazing. <laughs> like the uh, Lord intended. So the reason I could do that and win as well. uh, is because I had Feral Warriors and Alchem Jackers, uh, because it's a World War One kind of themed force, and I wanted guys that wouldn't run away. 
uh, for stupid things like 75% of us just got shot to death by bolters uh, and were also kind of nasty in a fight. So outcome jackers means if a unit fails more shooting, they become pinned instead of falling back. And that's fantastic because, like, one, the army leadership across the board, eight's the best you get. There's exactly one model that has it. Um, well, unless you take discipline masters, but for the most part, uh, like leadership six and seven, are kind of the way the world works for militia. So failing that and then just being pinned, phenomenal. Like if you're sitting on an objective, you know, you're never not going to be, they're never going to make you run off the board. Um, just all those horrible things can't happen. And then in combat, uh, they ignore all negatives to their leadership. So better than stubborn. That Night Lord's like, oh, you're going to be minus one leadership for being outnumbered or whatever it is. I don't care about that. Uh, oh, I just lost combat by nine. Well, we're still leadership seven. It could work out. Um, and then Feral Warriors gives me plus one weapon skill and for about 25 points a squad, an extra. So I, I equip them with Laslocks, which are 18-inch strength four assault one. Uh, and give them a medic for the five up the no pain. Uh, and what happens is they charge a unit of you know twenty tactical marines, uh, and they'll win. And it kind of blows people's minds the first time that happens to them, because uh, <laughs> you know you take eighteen strength four shots. You, know, you might get a guy or two, and then I get into combat and I'm hitting you on fours uh, with like three attacks apiece. And there's 20 of them. That's, that, I mean, it's amazing. Good numbers. <laughs> like, well, they also, will eventually can, fail. Can we, do the, uh, can we do the quick math on this? So you're taking outcome, you're taking outcome jackers. Uh-huh. No, you're taking survivors of the Dark Age. No, I take outcome jackers yeah. and uh, feral warriors. Okay. And with taking- feral warriors, I give them blade and fury, which is the optional for 25 points. Give a squad plus one attack. Okay, so you're 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 looking at plus ninety five points on your squad. Oh no 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 no. Okay. Um. So the way let me back up a little bit. The way providences work. Um. So feral warriors and alchem jackers something you buy for your force commander. So it's a one time purchase, and then every other unit in the army that has uh, the providence special rule, which is pretty much everybody who's a human except for the uh, tech priest gains the benefit of that province. So you're not spending 70 points a squad for that. Um, the only thing you buy per squad um, are the optional things. So like blades and fury for the plus one attack um, and survivors okay. of the dark age, you can give plus one strength to some laser weapons. And that's like an, an optional thing that you buy per squad. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So you're buying the, the, Provenances like Alchem Jackers, Feral Warriors, Abhuman Zealots, and then the options get priced onto every squad. Yeah, the options okay. are by squad. So, okay. so that basic, you know, they don't care about morale really. Plus and uh, plus one weapon skill winds up being like less than a point a model. Yeah, in my. Well, really, any game over 750 points, because I can fit 40 militia infantry, 20 grenadiers, 
six las cannons, six heavy bolters, the medics and the force commander for like seven hundred and something. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty fantastic. That's fucking amazing, dude. But yeah, nah. it masks out to like sixty-three attacks on the charge, uh, and then you know, hit with half, wound with a third. Uh, you know, it's going to do ten wounds a turn, roughly. Um, but then coming back the other way, I've got my five up save, and then my five up feel no pain, and that's for like a hundred and forty points. Is the squad that I'm using. So it, like it. <laughs> It gets real unfortunate real fast. Uh, the other really th- nice thing I like about Militia uh, is their Vexilia don't work the way Legion Vexilia do. They don't give you a reroll. Instead, they give you a plus one to the combat. Um, but as far as I can tell, and I've had like non-Militia people look at this, they stack. So if I've got three squads in a fight, I'm just naturally plus three to my combat res. Uh, because it's the unit that contains a vex, counts as scoring an additional wound for the purposes of ca- calculating close combat results. Uh, which is awesome. Like, plus one to your combat results, like, you kind of think, ah, oh, that's not great. I've lost track of times that that's won me a fight. Um, and winning a fight against Marines, like, oh, hey, I've run down a 250 point tax squad with my 140 point infantry, like, mooks. One, it's funny. He could rub that in someone's face until the end of time. Uh, and two, it's super effective. Super so, effective. So you've got a few choices for compulsory troops, right? You've got the militia infantry squad. Yeah. The inductive so, levy squad. Yeah, so the levy, or the, the infantry squad, uh, it's 50 points base, like as tricked out as possible. It's like 100. Uh, and these are, like, I hesitate to call them guard equivalent because the province really screw with how they work. Um, but just bare bones, they're pretty much like guard. Um, you can give them las locks, you can give them las carbines, shotguns, just extra close combat weapons if you want. Uh, the thing I really like is you can give them all crack grenades. Uh, that's been hilarious uh, as certain dread claws full of really fancy legionaries could tell you. <laughs> um, the inducted levy, I don't personally use, but if you're doing cult horror, that's the way to go. Uh, they're your conscript equivalent. They're 40 points for 20 of them, and you can buy another 30 for like two points a piece. And when you start giving them things like rending and plus one toughness and, you know, we don't care about leadership, that gets kind of horrifying. Uh, and then the Grenadier Squad um, is sort of a mix between the IG veterans and uh, whatever they're calling stormtroopers nowadays. I I used to know, but I forgot out of spite. It's a Tempestus uh, Scions. Yeah, don't don't talk to me about that. They're stormtroopers, for God's sake. W- weren't they uh, Kazarkin <laughs> at some point? Kazer- yeah, but Kazarkin are just like fancy stormtroopers. <laughs> Like, that makes sense to me in fluff, whereas the other one is just shenanigans. Um, but, you know, so they're Ballistic Skill 4. They have one point better leadership and a 4-up save. Um, you see these guys a lot when you're doing that Survivors of a Dark Age because they're mandatory and then become mini Space Marines. And on top of that, 
with survivors of a dark age, you can buy them either rhinos or land raiders as dedicated transports, mm. uh, which I think is what Jason did for this past mega battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had an allied detachment of survivors of a dark age militia and just had some grenadiers and land raiders running around and fun stuff. Uh, the one annoying thing, though, for for the levy and uh, the infantry squad is you can't buy them special or heavy weapons. Can't do any of that. And for the grenadiers, you can't. You don't give models the special weapon. You can buy two additional models with special weapons, uh, which means that if you're running a mechanized list, transport capacity is ten. Thank you. Again, Forge World, uh, you can't have any special weapons in the transports, uh, which cuts that on the utility a little bit. But there's 65 points, and like another guy is five points a dude. Like it, it's it's really is a steal. Um, then you get in. Well, so the levy, uh, the fire support squads, and the recon squads are all classified as support. Uh, so, except for, I think, Cult Horde, which lets Levy become compulsory, uh, you can't fill compulsory squat, uh, slots with the rest, um, which is fine. Um, the okay, so, you, sorry. so you're, you're limited to taking either the Grenadier, the Levy, or the um, infantry squads as your compulsory troop choices. Yes. Yes, you are. um, But that doesn't... Like, in the long run, that doesn't matter because you're going to want it anyway. Like, you could be that guy, I guess, and be really bummed that you can't bring 60 heavy bolters (laughs) as your troop choice. But, I mean, come on, guys. Calm it down a little bit. Um... The recon squad, uh, they're fun. They have scout, they have infiltrate. Uh, you can give them sniper rifles and a demo charge, for, and that brings them up to 100 points, uh, as well as camo cloaks. Uh, and they're just real fun to sit on, on an objective or, like, you know, just harass somebody's HQ tr- units. And if somebody gets too close, it's just surprise demo charge. Wait, can we talk about demo charge for a second? Is that even a thing in other lists? Uh, but it is, it is a thing from 7th edition. No, but I mean, do other, other like... I don't know. Legions have breacher charges, but that's about but you, it. You can't get a demo charge, can you? Yeah. Do Sisters of Silence have demo charges or breacher charges? Breacher charges, I think. What, the so yeah. does it, what does a demo charge even do, man? So it's got 6-inch range, strength 8, AP 2, assault 1, one use only, large blast. No armor bane. Large no, blast. Holy crap. Yeah, no, but strength 8, AP 2. Yeah, that's legit, dude. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. And it is 10 points, I think. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's a, I'm sorry. Five, point, five points. Five points. Yeah. Uh, which is hilarious. Uh, I try to have one or two recon squads on each of my lists. Uh, just because, you know, you never know when five sniper rifles are going to come in handy. And, like, just having them in a building... Because with the camo, yeah, they're they're rocking two up saves if they go to ground, so it's a lot of firepower to kill a hundred points. Uh, so most like it's kind of an area denial because nobody wants to be on the receiving end of the charge. I love it. <laughs> I love it. These are these are fucking Gon's ghosts, man. Right, and 
if you've got the models, man, we got the rules for you. <laughs> uh, but one of my one of my favorites is the fire support squad. So it's minimum five, and then up to ten uh, heavy weapons. They start out with heavy stubbers. You can give them blast cannons, auto cannons, missile launchers, heavy flamers, whatever. But the fun of them really comes in to the warlord traits, uh, which your force commander for 20 points can pick his warlord trait as long as it's from the militia list. Uh, and militia has some fun ones. Uh, you can give somebody hatred. You can make your warlord stubborn, yada, yada, yada. Only one of them really matters in my mind. And that is Merchant Princelin. <laughs> Pretty much, your Force Commander is so rich and well-connected, or your world does some weird thing that nobody else does, uh, that one squad of the owning player's choice, infantry type, counts all of their ranged weapons as having an AP of one better than normal. So this normally equates to me fielding AP3 heavy players. Uh, which Marines are not a fan of. So not a fan of. Um, wow. And you can, pick, you can pick that. Yeah, you can pick it. Like, pay 20 points, give your heavy weapons better AP. It, it's Serious a no-brainer. Stuff. Yeah. Like, that's, that's fucking like, strong, man. That's how, yeah. you, that's how you win tournaments right there, gentlemen. I mean, I did catch several squads in the open. <laughs> And, like, there's nothing more fun than being... And, like, I'm not even, like, an ass about it. Because I, I only take six heavy boulders in a squad. Like, I could throw out 30 strength 5 AP3 if I really wanted to. Um, or, like, the autocannons is another one people like for doing that. Uh, AP2 missile launchers. Just to murder those uh, oh freaking Gorgon Terminators or something. Yeah. Uh, my other my other go to is the AP one las cannon. If I know I'm fighting somebody that has a lot of tanks, because uh, strike nine AP one and then just fish for explodes. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Five and six. Yeah. 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 Uh, they also get the Gorgon heavy transporter, uh, which I have not used because I am not rich enough to afford. It also um, doesn't exist. It's just a myth. You shut your mouth. It'll live forever in our hearts and minds. <laughs> Uh, front else. side armor 14, nine hole points. So it's a super heavy as a dedicated transport for your 125 point infantry choice. It just gets stupid. Well, uh, I mean, how, how would you use that though? Like on the field? I would take Cult Horde. I would shove 50 guys that get four attacks on the charge rending into a Gorgon heavy transport and. Probably three of those, uh, which would come out to about 1,500 points, probably a little less, uh, and just run them at the enemy and say, what are you going to do about it? And the answer will invariably be nothing but die. That's what I do for my cult horde, except the <laughs> Stormlords, because, you know, organs. Uh, um, it, uh, if, only, if only I had the money. Although... Because, and this is kind of going back to earlier when there's a bunch, when I was talking about the models you can use, there's a bunch of stuff that works for this. Uh, my, my Lehman Russes, uh, because I am a fan of the Gaunt's Ghost series and all that, I actually field what in my mind are AT-70 Reavers. So they, they're, uh, oh, I forget the company. But if you Google Gideon Main Battle Tank, Mad Robot Miniatures makes 
Gideon main battle tanks. And they're like, what if you took all the weapons that go on a Lehman Russ, but made it look kind of like a tiger from World War II? Uh, and that's that's a great tank. And it's about the same size, a little shorter, but also a little longer. So that balances out. I haven't had anybody complain about them. Uh, and just gives it a really nice sort of, yeah, we brought all our stuff from home field to, to your militia, which is nice. fun. Nice. Um, then what else do we got? Uh, for the elite section, they've got the engine seer auxilia, which I don't have much of a use for because I don't run a lot of tanks. Um, but this is also something since they're all infantry. Uh, you want AP1 plasma fusils? Like just dumb stuff like that for the server automata. That can be fun. Uh, Augrim brute squads. Uh, there, I want them to be good. Maybe I just don't take the make them good. Um, but they're ogres. But it also specifically states uh, that it's sort of a catch-all for any big, nasty thing. Uh, anything from sort of crappy robots to large, like, tiger sort of things. Uh, so if you want to convert your models, like, that's a great opportunity to convert big and nasty. Uh, I actually... Like, uh, Simeon infantry or Simeon cavalry? Yeah, so I got some guerrilla cavalry. Uh, I took some Krutox put ogren faces on them, sculpted a bunch of fur and guys on top with, like, the ripper guns as kind of a weird cavalry unit for my infantry. Uh, they're fun. And then, of course, the medics, which I've mentioned, which take them all, give everybody a five-up five feel no pain, and that's what makes militia annoying to deal with for uh, space marines because I'm going to get probably a cover save out of somewhere, or in combat, you know, my five up, uh, and then I'm going to get a five up Fiona pain, and that is hilarious. Um, for fast attack, there's a couple of cool things. Uh, the Arvis lighter, if you feel like spending a box that carries some dudes around. Uh, although, at the Maryland event, there was a guy, and I'm sorry, I don't remember your name, um, but he had a Prospero like a Spire Guard-themed militia army that used a 40k Vendetta. They painted up really nice. I don't think there was even much conversion work to it. Um, but that, like, he was using that as an Arvis, and that's cool by me. Uh, you also get Sentinels, which are just your normal 40k Sentinel, whatever. Uh, but the real hero here is the that's Auxilia Thunderbolt. That's the only list you can take a sentinel in, right? Like a like a walker. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I don't think the solar auxilia gets. No, they definitely don't. So I mean, like if if you want to play the fucking sentinel walker, you're playing militia. And do, does forty k even make that anymore? Like, oh yeah, forty k makes them. You can pick oh, them up. Oh, they do. Okay, okay. Uh, and you can bring them here in squads up to six, which can be kind of funny. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why you would, but just for hilarity. Or, you know, if you've got, again, like that cool in your mind, like that's the answer. Um, but yeah, my my favorite unit, hands down, in the militia arm is the Auxilia Thunderbolt Heavy Fighter. Um, everybody with the lightning, like I argue this all the time, Thunderbolt's a better plane. Um, people argue with me, but... I'm the one talking on a podcast now. 
So, it is, a Thunderbolt is, if you can take the solar, or the militia version of the Thunderbolt, because yeah. I don't even think the solar auxilia version gets the uh, kinetic piercer missile. No, they don't. So what it is, um, what stands out to me, uh, you can give it a flare shield for 12 armor on the front, essentially. Uh, it has three hull points, which is huge for survivability, because most people, if they're bringing AA at all, they're gearing it towards lightnings. So they're kind of banking on doing two hull points a turn. Uh, and that's what happens a lot of times, is it'll come in, take two hull points, and then just do its job. Um, and then the kinetic piercer. So the kinetic piercer got 48 inch range, strength six, AP two, uh, heavy one, armor bane, heat seeker. Uh, so armor bane, you know, roll two d six out of together. Heat seeker. If you take a jink, you have to reroll successful, which means it's really, really good at killing other aircraft. Um, the amount of like dread claws. Storm Ravens uh, that I've taken down, and then all of their pretty like cargo has fallen from thirty thousand feet onto the battlefield. Uh, it's fun times. It's a lot. Of fun. Uh, so I stand corrected. Um, I have been misinformed the entire time I've been playing this game. The Auxilia Thunderbolt Heavy Fighter for two hundred points is exactly the same as the Militia uh, Thunderbolt Heavy Fighter for 200 points. It's actually the same entry. Um, so, uh, yeah. You're doing life wrong. Dude, I, I, I've been doing life wrong, Austin. Thank you for <laughs> fucking straightening my life out, dude. Yeah, and these are yeah. great. I yeah. I mean, the amount of, like, I, I hunt super heavies with these because uh, they deep strike, so you can drop in on, like, a Bane Blade and unload into the rear armor uh, with the kinetic piercer and just murder people so hard. Uh, and it's only, two, like, it's 230 points all, like, kitted up with the flare shield and ground tracking augury BS-5. Yeah. Uh, it's got two twin-linked autocannons and a twin-linked blast cannon. And that's what I really like in addition to the four kinetic piercers. Because with the lightning, I feel like people come in they nuke a tank, and then they've got like a last cannon to run around with the rest of the game. Yep. It's not going to do you any good. Um, but being able to put out four strength seven and then a strength nine, uh, hitting on twos on the ground and twin linked, like uh, you can kind of chase you know, those broken units at the end of a game or like that one more sitting on an objective. Uh, there's just a ton of versatility there. Uh, and from a modeling perspective, I have become somewhat infamous. Well, not infamous. People seem to like the conversion. Uh, but I don't use actual Thunderbolt models because they're expensive as all get out. Uh, I actually get a really simple conversion of a DACA jet. Uh, and for any of you that have read uh, Dan Ackett's Double Eagle, the KT-4, uh, that's kind of like the local, not really STC fighter that they're flying. This is essentially that. Like, in my mind, it looks kind of, you know, like a MiG-15 or something. So it's got that kind of old-world vibe. Uh, 
and they're a lot of like they're so much fun. Like if I you, took I took two of them at the Nova last year at the Big Blam, uh, two, and then Robbie brought his lightning, and we like put the finishing touches on a Warlord Titan, and it was so awesome. Good stuff. So I will say um, we've barely scratched the surface when it comes to mortals and how to play, but we are running quite a bit long in this segment. Oh God! Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we're like. It's pretty late already, but um, if we can wrap this up right now and put a pin in it and come back at another time, Austin. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Love, we could talk sure. about we could talk we could talk all night on this stuff. I could I could talk militia for days. Unfortunately, for days. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're all responsible adults. So, but speak for yourself. <laughs> but thank you, Austin, for all that information on mortals. And uh, we'll yeah. take a quick break and uh, wrap everything up. How's it sound, guys? Yeah, sounds good. Definitely. Cool. We'll be right back. All right, guys. We are back with a little closing statements and saying goodnight. Austin, you got anything to say? Uh, No, thanks for having me on. It was fun. I can probably do another two or three of these. (laughs) Absolutely. Because we haven't even scratched the surface on, like, you know, well, one, we still got a little bit more units to cover, uh, and then some tactics for and against, and yeah, yep. a bunch of good stuff still. Looking forward to it. Cool. Thank you, Austin. Dave, what about yourself? Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, been a pleasure again to, to be on, and Jason and I will be back next week with some Heresy Grad School. Um, can't tell you too much about it, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a little Ooh, segue in exciting. between. Yes. So, see you then. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, listeners. We'd love to hear what you guys think. Give us some feedback. Give us a rating on Facebook, iTunes, whatever you listen to here. And uh, again, everyone have a good night. We'll catch you again next week. Take care. I didn't want to dry brush that hard. Shit. Nope, nope, I fixed it.